Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Well, we're my Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. We're actually going to go guest-free on the podcast today. I like to do this every month or so. Sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. But just take a look at the trends that we're seeing in Major League Baseball, what's been hot, what's been cold, what teams have been able to hit the over. I really don't go into straight up record just because, well, you could just scour any basic website to know, oh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they're right now leading the league in terms of wins. Oh, the Oakland A's, they can't win a game to save their lives, but just the profitability of these teams, if you bet $100 on the money line, on these teams throughout the season, how much slash little would you be down? How have some of these pitchers been able to perform for your bankroll as well? And take a look at some of the trends in terms of home overs, home unders, what have you there. So we're going to do that in segment number two. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways for those in. First one is by Twitter timeline at GDN underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters ZM. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Friday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. One team in this game scored seven runs. One team in this game scored 11. Very fitting that this game was 7-11 because the Oakland A's are open to disappointing. They lose the Cincinnati Reds 11-7. Drew Rosinski, NC Dinos legend, made his season debut for the Oakland A's. I think that this was his first time in an elbow B-bound since like 2018. Didn't go as planned. He gives up five runs, three of which were earned, 11 hits in total, and five and two-thirds innings, including home run. Jake Fraley took him deep for his second home run season. He takes a loss. Luis Sessa was not sharp. He gives up three runs over the course of five innings. What is sharp, by the way, is that uh, the first 27 games of the season for the Oakland A's, 18 overs, top over team in all of baseball. We're going to hit that a little bit more in segment number two and trends like that. But yeah, Lucas Sims, 
go for a scoreless setting. Derek Law and Buck Farmer combined for two innings. Law gave up two runs along the way, including a home run. As Oakland's actually been solid with the bat. says it was Ryan Noda who got his third home run of the season off of him. And then Brent Rooker in the ninth inning gets home run number eight of the season off of Fernando Cruz, who gave up two runs over the course of an inning. And for Oakland, their bullpen continues to stink. Sam Ball, pair of outside of the bullpen scoreless, but Shintero Fujinami gives up two runs over the course of an inning. Sammy Long, he got five outs. He gave up four runs. The DK Nation write-up streak is up to six. The under in the Cleveland Guardians versus the Boston Red Sox hit. We go for seven here on Saturday, five to two. The Cleveland Guardians able to get it done as they had a pair of home runs to aid them. Mike Zanino goes deep off of Nick Pavetta's second home run season. And then Will Brandon, his first home run season that came off of Cutter Crawford. Crawford and long relief look good, by the way. Gives up that solo home run over the course of four innings. Nick Pavetta, not so good. He gives up four runs in five innings, including that bomb. For the Red Sox, they go 2 of 13 with Ben in square in position as Shane Bieber. Not a lot of swing and miss in this game. Just four punch shots, but gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Classe. They come in for scoreless eighth and ninth innings. The Tampa Bay Rays remain hot. 22 and 5 is their start to the season. They take down the Chicago White Sox 3 2. And the White Sox, by the way, they've now lost eight straight games. I believe that they've got one win in their last 11. For the Tampa Bay Rays, Isak Paredes was able to go deep from our number four of the season. That came off of Kendall Graveman, and he dug the grave for the White Sox, giving up that home run late as Lucas Chilito actually didn't land a bad start. Gave up two runs in six and two-thirds innings. Rinaldo Lopez, one and a third inning scoreless, but for the White Sox, both of their runs came off of solo home runs off of Zach Eflin. Jake Berger's seventh home run season, and Andrew Vaughn, his second home run, of the campaign as the White Sox go 0 of 9 with men in scoring position. Eflin, not Eflin great, not Eflin awful. Gives up those two solo runs over the course of five innings from there. Ryan Thompson, Jason Adam, Colin Poucher were all able to end a scoreless inning. And then Pete Fairbanks was able to piggyback off of Kevin Kelly for a scoreless ninth inning. They get the W. The Walker, Texas Rangers get a 5-2 win over the New York Yankees. And the Rangers are 15-11. and Yankees, by the way, have been your top under team. In all baseball, just nine of their games have went over the total. Clark Schmidt, he did not help out the Yankees' cause, giving up five runs of five innings, including a home run to Robbie Grossman, third of the campaign. From there, Jimmy Cordero, two scoreless settings. Albert Abreu, a scoreless setting. And Jacob DeGrom was not long for this game. Three and two-thirds innings. He only allows one hit, but left the game with some discomfort. His second early exit in his last three starts, but bullpen at his back, Dane Dunning. He gets her done in giving up two runs and three and a third innings. And then Jonathan Hernandez, Will Smith, get jiggy with it for a scoreless inning apiece. The Philadelphia Phillies take down the reigning champions of the MLB. Three to one, the Phillies get it done against the Houston Astros. As Aaron Nola looks super in this one. Gave up a solo run over the course of eight innings. Jeremy Pena gets his 15th home run season. Game in the first inning. He buckled down from there. Jose Alvarado, scoreless inning for the save. And from Valdez, he gave up a home run of his own. Going seven innings, giving up three runs as Kyle Schwarber took him deep in the first inning. His sixth of the campaign. From there, Brian Ray, Rafael Montero both lend a scoreless inning. But too little, too late as the Astros, they are unable to get it done. The Arizona Diamondbacks put up a massive five spot in the ninth inning. Still stays under. It got a little bit sweatier than it needed to be, though, if you had the under. Nine to one. The Arizona Diamondbacks get it done as Merrill Kelly was terrific, giving up one run over the course of six innings. From there, Scott Mago, Joe Mantiply, and Miguel Castro all end a scoreless inning. 
And it was Keitel Marte of the Marte Parte. He went deep off of Kyle Freeland for his third home run season. Freeland takes a loss, but this wasn't a bad performance. Giving up three runs in six innings at Coors Field, that's acceptable. Denelson Lamette giving up five runs while getting one out, that's pretty unacceptable. Tie block got a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Justin Lawrence and Daniel Bard, they both lent a scoreless inning as well. The LA Dodgers appear to be getting back on track. They take down the St. Louis Cardinals 7-3 as the Cardinals are now 10-17. This has been a putrid effort, and they've been playing a lot of games the under because their offense has been underachieving. This one goes over because Captain Jack Flaherty threw 110 pitches to go four and two-thirds innings, allowing five runs, four of which were earned for the Dodgers. Mookie Betts took him deep. His fourth home run of the season got to feel like he's going to be able to get back online. And then it was home run number one of the season for Miguel Vargas as he got his home run off of Chris Strain. A lot of a solo home run in one and third innings. Jojo Romero, two innings pitch. He gives up one run. And for Dustin May, solid performance. Gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Both them from there does their part. Victor Gonzalez, Bruce Sarder, Gryderall. Goodbye for a scroll setting. Alex Vesia does a lot of run in an inning. He's had his struggles this year. But Shelby Miller, Caleb Ferguson. Both with sub-two ERAs this season, both lined a scoreless inning. You saw the uh, Minnesota Twins and the Kansas City Royals get in a little bit of shootout, and it was the Twinkies who got the win by a count of 8-6. to six. Pablo Lopez did not provide the start he was looking for. Gives up six runs over the course of six innings, including serving one up to Salvador Perez for Perez to start home run season, but bullpen is back as the other Lopez, Ore Lopez, Caleb Theobar, Griffin Jacks, all in a scoreless inning, and a trio of home runs for the Twins. Gets it done as Jordan Lyles allows one to Ore Palanco. Lots of Ores on the Minnesota Twins. His second home run season. Max Kepler is third. As for Jordan Lyles, he gives up seven runs over the course of four innings. And the Kansas City Royals are now 0-6 in his start. So if you bet $100 on every Jordan Lyles start, guess how much money you're down. Yeah, $600. From there, Josh Taylor gives up a solo home run in his two innings of work. As he was taken deep by Jose Miranda, his third home run of the season. And then Amir Garrett, Taylor Clark. They cleaned up the mess. They both lined a scoreless setting, but too little too late. This game goes just five innings, so if you took a run line on the Braves, that doesn't hit, but if you took the money line that got there. 4-0, to the Atlanta Braves get the win. Max Freed, a very technical, complete game. Five scoreless settings out of him, and for Olsen, his eighth home run season, that comes off of the namesake David Peterson. A complete game loss, giving up four runs over the course of five innings. Very inclement weather. Mets, they only get three hits. Not sure what to think of a game that only went five innings, but it was a game that went five innings. They got it in, so good on them. And the Miami Marlins, good on them. They got a 3-2 win over the Chicago Cubs as Marcus Stroman, a relatively solid start, gives up two runs in six and a third innings. Mark Leiter Jr. from there provide a pair of outs out of the bullpen, but Michael Rucker yaks this game up, does not get it out in the ninth inning, gives up the winning run after Michael Fulmer provided a scoreless inning and Lone form of offense for the Cubs in this one was really Nelson Velasquez. His third home run season, he's been off the injured list for like a week. He's already got three home runs. That comes off of Basil Cesardo, who gave up two runs and six and a third eggs. From there, Uskar Blazobin, pair of outside the bullpen. Dylan Floro, A.J. Puck, both on the squirrel setting. By the way, the Miami Marlins, they have played just two of their home games to the over thus far this season. And that's a lot of what you can expect in segment number two. We're going to be looking at specialty sets like that. Before we get into those specialty sets, so let's take a look at what we've all gotten for the season thus far in Major League Baseball. As we now have unders in the lead over overs. 187 unders to 186 overs. I believe that we've gotten 
something in the neighbor of like 12 pushes or something like that on totals. But for the first time all year, the under has a lead. And for favorites, they are 238 on 151, hitting at a 61.2% clip on the money line thus far this season. But if you're looking at the favorites, 59 of those 238 wins have come by one run to not cover the run line. And then if you have a situation like the Mets versus Braves game where it doesn't go a full nine, the run line does not count there as well. And then for the last seven days, we've seen favorites go up 56 and 34 straight up, but 17 of those games have involved the run line not cashing, and in the last seven days, it has been an under binge, 49 unders to 36 overs. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now, and that is what we all got on Friday. Now let's take a look at some of the big trends that we're seeing in baseball this season. I'd love to do this a few times a year on the podcast. We're going to take a look at the most and least profitable pitchers in the big leagues, what teams have been cashing for you, what teams have not been, what teams have been very good to the over, what teams have been very good to the under. We're trend spotting next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson. Now part of the VEASAN family, a podcast. Typically, this is where we have a little bit of a guest chat, but you know what? I think that once a month, it's always good to be taking a look at the trends of MLB baseball. We're a little bit north of four weeks through the season, and as a matter of fact, I believe that we are now at the 30-day mark 
in terms of the MLB. You don't want to overreact, but I do think that it is interesting to always take a look at the trends that we're getting in Major League Baseball, what teams have been hot slash cold with regards to certain things, and I think that now is a good time to be able to do so. So let's take a look at a few trends that we have been getting in Major League Baseball. We'll do about 12 to 15 minutes on these, just try to enlighten you guys a little bit as we've been finding some interesting teams being very good to the over thus far this season. The top has been the Oakland A's. Going into their very late game against the Reds on Friday, they were the top over team in all of baseball. 70.8% of their games going over. 17 overs, 7 unders, and 2 pushes. What you're going to notice with Oakland is, for one, their offensive numbers really get bogged down because they play in such a pitcher-friendly ballpark in Oakland. And two, this bullpen stinks. They are dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. And if you're dead last in the league in terms of bullpen ERA with that ballpark, you know how bad these pitchers are. The Oakland A's, especially on the road, they've been able to cash you a lot of tickets for the over. As you take a look at the Oakland A's, 11 overs, 2 unders, and a push to my point away from home. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Cardinals, they just have not been able to generate the offense that we were thinking, and there are just teams that they go through a little bit of a rut towards being part of the season, but that's apparent with them as they have played nine unders to four overs when they've been away from home. They've been the top under team in all of baseball this far this season, and second, this should not come as too much of a surprise. The Colorado Rockies, something that I always highlight with this team is how demonstratively different they are home to road. They currently have 11 unders to five overs when they are on the road with Colorado Rockies. They were number one in the league last year in terms of runs per game at home. They were dead last in terms of runs per game when they were away from home. So that has been interesting to take a look at. And when it comes to the month of April, as we know, weather plays a big role with regards to a lot of these ballparks. And We've seen that in a few teams that have been very good to the under when they've been at home thus far this season. The New York Yankees have been a good under team. As out of their 16 games in Yankee Stadium, 12 have gone under. And I think that a lot of this does have to do with just the reputation of Yankee Stadium. We always think, oh, it's a bandbox, Mickey Mouse ballpark and everything like that. What people don't realize is outside of that short porch that you're going to find out down the line, you actually have a relatively decent ballpark. It's not necessarily warm in the month of April. The New York Yankees also are a little bit of an all-or-nothing offensive team. And the Mets, I mean, they themselves, six unders, three overs thus far this season. So they have seen 66.7% of their home games go under the total, which I find that to be intriguing. Now, if you're looking at the best under team at home all season long, it's been the Miami Marlins. They have played just two out of their 15 home games thus far this season over the total. I don't think bookmakers have been accounting for just how pitcher-friendly Miami is in general, but getting back to my point of the New York Yankees, going into the day on Friday, they were the top under team in all of baseball, 17 unders to nine overs. This is just not your traditional Yankees team, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, I think that you're going to be able to get a good buy point on their overs as well as they've actually started out the year. The Blue Jays, 15 unders, two pushes, and nine overs. They are the only team other than the Guardians and the Yankees with north of a 60% under rate thus far the season. In Cleveland, very easy to explain that one. They've got really good pitching, especially in their bullpen, and they don't provide any power. So there's that. But for the Blue Jays, they've been relatively league average with regards to the deep ball. Maybe we overrated them a little bit coming into the season, but I think that this has just been a little bit more of a matter of circumstance. I do think that the Blue Jays, they're going to be able to crank out more deep balls. I do think that that is going to be lending itself to more over. Overs on this team, but that has been one that has been fascinating to take a look at. And then 
a couple other demonstrative teams to the over the Atlanta Braves. 16 overs, 9 unders, and a push. This is very easy to explain with them. Bullpen has been a little bit shaky recently, and for the Atlanta Braves, they have been able to do a great job with their offense, and the Boston Red Sox. They don't have a lot of pitching. They've got quite a bit of hitting. 66.7% of their games have went over the total 18 overs to 9 unders. So I feel like those are pretty easy to explain. And if you want to break it down a little bit further, these are some of your most profitable pitchers in terms of the big leagues to this point this season as well. And you're going to notice that the profitable pitchers, they're typically on the more profitable teams as this comes from Odd Shark, by the way, just letting you know where this comes from. But if you make a $100 bet on all these pitchers, this is how much money you'd be up right now according to closing numbers. Your number one pitcher for making you money right now, that would be Mitch Keller. If you bet $100 on him on every one of his starts thus far this season, you're up $510. Mitch Keller has been able to do a rock-saw job for this team. I believe that they are 5-1 in his starts, and when you're getting plus prices with them against the LA Dodgers, teams like this, that has been good. And I just feel like Mitch Keller is being priced like he was in 2022 when he really did a solid job this offseason being able to add some velocity. You can see it in spring training, and you don't want to like be putting all of your eggs in the basket of seeing how a guy is doing in spring training, but I do think that you can pick up some tendencies with some of these guys. So far, so good there. Braxton Garrett, if you bet on him for $100 at every one of his starts, you're up $481. Betting on him, he has been rock solid for the Miami Marlins. That has been a nice story. And then we're going to go through three through five. Joe Ryan, five starts. If you bet him in every one of them, plus $432. Yusei Kikuchi, the reborn Yusei Kikuchi. The Blue Jays have not lost any of his starts. If you bet on him for $100 in every one of his starts on the money line, plus $530. And Ronsi Contreras of the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're up $388. If you bet him for $100 in every one of his starts. And you're noticing some of the top pitchers, they're in the top 10, but not necessarily the top 5, just because you're laying a little bit more juice with them in a lot of spots, like Zach Allen. If you bet him for $100 in every one of his starts, you're up $359. Garrett Cole, every one of his 6 starts, you're up $350. $47, Shane McClanahan, $324 if you bet him in all six of his starts. So these have been guys that have been very profitable. And now you take a look at the want, want, money, loss category. And the biggest loser of money for you thus far this season, most people will be thinking, oh, it for sure has to be guys like Patrick Corbin. Insert your Oakland A's pitcher here. Nope, it's Blake Snell, Steven Matz, Jose Arena, Lance Lynn, Jordan Wiles. All these guys are 0-5 right now in their starts. Jose Ureña and Jordan Lyles, these are bad pitchers on bad teams. Lyles, he's bad. He's not objectively bad like Jose Ureña, but he's not on a good team whatsoever. And you're going to be noticing that when it comes to pitchers on teams like the Oakland A's, the Kansas City Royals, they're certainly going to be on this list, but you're going to be noticing that guys that you're going to be laying the full allotment of the money on, they're going to be a little bit higher up on disappointing teams like, oh, I don't know, the Chicago White Sox, like with Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn has been terrible this year, and at the same time, the White Sox have been a complete and utter disaster. You've also got some overpriced pitchers on here as well. San Diego Contra and Shane Bieber. If you bet on them in their starts, you're down money right now. For Shane Bieber, going into the night on Friday, you were able to rebound a little bit more, so this is probably cut in half a little bit, but Shane Bieber, if you bet on him, 400 bucks in each out of his first five starts of the season, you'd be down $337 with a win. I think that you're now more around about 250 some odd dollars. Sandy Alcantara, you bet on him and his five starts thus far this season. 
you're down $333, but this list is right now littered with guys for the Chicago White Sox. Lucas Giolito, Michael Kopech, they're in the top 20. And then once you get into the Oakland A's starters like James Caprillion and company, they certainly are there as well, but you're not really having to pay a lot of juice. And any win that you get with someone like Ken Waldeshuk, that actually ascends them from this list. So you want to be mindful of that. That's a big reason why if you bet on every single Patrick Corbin start this far this season, you've actually made a little bit of money even though he's 2-3 and three, and even though he stinks because... Well, when you are taking plus prices with Patrick Corbin, you don't need to hit every one of them to be a little bit successful. And then when it comes to the most and least profitable teams in all of baseball this far this season, I'm sure that a lot of you guys can figure out who is some of the least profitable teams in all of baseball right now. All three of the least profitable teams, they reside in the American League and they've all stunk. The Oakland A's, along with the Chicago White Sox and the Kansas City Royals. If you bet them $100 on the money line in every single one of their games as far this season, with all three of these teams, you're down anywhere between $1,150 and $1,300, depending upon your closing numbers. They have all been just big, giant disasters. Meanwhile, the most profitable teams in the big leagues, as you can expect, the Tampa Bay Rays, you've been able to make a lot of money. This is obviously on the money line, but if you take it to them on the money line and every one of their games, you're up $589, but they actually aren't your most profitable team in the big leagues. That would actually be the Pittsburgh Pirates, and it's the Pittsburgh Pirates by a country mile because you keep getting plus prices. If you lay $100 on the money line, you're getting more than 100 back. That is indicated by the fact that the Pirates, they entered into the day on Friday, 18-8, and 8, but you'd be up $1,295 if you bet them every single game this year, which is why, even though the Tampa Bay Rays are 24-5, and you've been able to make a substantial amount more on the Pittsburgh Pirates. And then the other team has really been standing out in terms of being a good money maker thus far this season, the Baltimore Orioles. If you've taken them for $100 on the money line and every one their games, 17-8 and eight going into the day, they're up $561 for you thus far this season. So I do think that it is so fascinating to take a look at because as we know it, every sport, you are betting numbers. You are not betting on teams. And when you're able to get good numbers like you have been with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you are able to make a bunch of money. Now, is there probably going to be a little bit of regression with the Pittsburgh Pirates? Absolutely. I do not think that this is going to be a bunch that at the end of the season, they're going to be winning north of two-thirds of their games, but it's very interesting to gauge, and a team like the St. Louis Cardinals, in which it's been the pit of misery for the team that plays at Bush Stadium. Dilly dilly. Hopefully you enjoyed that joke. Being down $807 when you do have a turnaround, things should iron out a little bit more, and you don't want to over-slash underreact to one good, one bad month for a team because it is very much a marathon. If we were gauging this like we were to, say, the NFL, we'd be like three and a half weeks through the season, so it is a long haul. But those are some of the things that stood out to me, and those are some of the trends that we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. So hopefully you enjoyed that, and if you've got a way that I can improve this, if there's something that I left out, or if you just want to hear more of this, hit me up at GUnit underscore 81 at Twitter. Keep in mind, letters ZM, they mean does not matter, so always send these in via the timeline, but always open to your feedback, your constructive criticism, not just being like, oh, your teeth are crooked, nan and boo-boo, or anything like that. Actual constructive criticism, but always open to that. Always want to improve the podcast in any way possible, but hopefully you enjoyed that today. And coming up next, right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, I give you picks and analysis on every single game on the betting board as we touch them up. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you 
straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hello, back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family of Podcasts. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that segment. I don't want to be doing this like every single day or anything like that. I think that the uh, just difference in opinion that I get from guests, it provides something good. But I always like to do this with the baseball podcast about once a month. Take a look at some of these trends because I do think that the biggest trend sport out there is Major League Baseball. We've officially hit that 30-day marker as well. So I thought that this was good timing for that. Like I said, if there's ways I could prove this, if there's things that you like about it, and there's things that you didn't like about it, tweet at me, at gunit underscore anyone. Just don't be a complete and utter boob about it. But that said, any constructive criticism, any praise, any sort of just ways to be able to improve, more than happy to answer those. Or if you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you, we've got you guys covered there. Keep in mind, letters EM, maybe it does not matter. So there is that at GUnit underscore 81. Now let's take a look at the betting board for the Saturday. I'll give you guys picks and analysis on every single one of these games as per usual right about now as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore D1. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. And I will say, aside from this, we do have two added games. They are the rainouts from yesterday. So, Pittsburgh versus Washington, Baltimore versus Detroit. Those are the games that are going to be at the bottom of the board just because we didn't know we were going to be getting them until last night, so they get added. But I will be doing those all together, which means that we're going to be leading off with one of those double dips. 951-952 is going to be in conjecture with 981-982 on the betting board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They throw their facing off against the Washington Nationals. Says Rich Hill is on the bump for the Pittsburgh Pirates in Game 1 against Patrick Corbin of the Washington Nationals. And then in Game 2, it is going to be Vince Velasquez going for the Buccos and Chad Cool hopes to be Mr. Cool for the Washington Nationals. We've seen some flipperoonies with regards to some of these pitching matchups as it was supposed to be Rich Hill versus Chad Cool on Friday. So you can't just take the price from yesterday and pretty much flop it over. But in terms of my personal numbers, because as I'm doing this right now with the nature of these doubleheaders, we really don't have a lot of numbers. But it's very similar for both of these handicaps. In the Velasquez versus Chad Cool start, made the Pirates minus 132. I made Rich Hill minus 135 against Patrick Corbin. So we're in the low minus 130s on both games with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And in both games, I made the total in between an 8.5 and a 9. So an 8.5 or less, I'm going to be looking at the over a 9 or higher to the under on both of these games. So it actually keeps it very clean there. But in terms of Rich Hill versus Patrick Corbin, Patrick Corbin has been bad, but if you've actually bet on Patrick Corbin in his five starts as far this year on the money line, you have sadly made a little bit of money. Patrick Corbin, not great. 580 ADRA, five home runs allowed in 26 innings. Walks per nine rate, hovering right around 2.7, but he's not the worst pitcher in the big leagues, and Rich Hill is remarkably better than him. For Rich Hill, he's been able to get the team to a 3-1 and record in his last four starts, but he's got a 45 ERA. He's the oldest active starting pitcher in the big leagues. In terms of home runs per nine rate, he's giving up more than that than Patrick Corbin. He gets a little bit more swing and miss. The big reason why he did set the Buccos at a minus 135 in game number one against the Nationals is that the Pirates just flat out back up Rich Hill with 
with a little bit more as this is a Pirates bullpen that has David Benar and Colin Holderman. Both of these guys have been able to do a solid job. Holderman's ERA is up to a 375. I think that that is going to be coming back downward, but thank you back Robert Stevenson. He's been solid in the bullpen and flat out for the Washington Nationals. They are dead last in the National League in terms of home runs. You do have guys that are able to move a line for this team as you've been able to get about a 260 to 270 batting average out of Victor Robles, Joey Manessis, along with Lane Thomas, but only guy on the team that has multiple home runs. That would be Jim Eric Candelari. I should say more than three home runs for him as he's been able to slug out four. You have had someone like a Alex Colby able to provide a 370 on base keeper. Ruiz has been able to move the line as well. And I will say for the Washington Nationals, since the all-star break of the 2022 season, they've got a top 10 bullpen ERA. Hunter Harvey, Carl Edwards Jr., Mason Thompson, Rasmo Ramirez. They all had a sub-3 ERA last season. Ramirez has been less trustworthy this year. His ERA has been north of 5. And Kyle Finnegan has certainly had his ups and his downs, but he seems to be reversing the tide a little bit more. And then for the Pittsburgh Pirates, we have seen Brian Reynolds go a little bit more cold. He got off to an amazing start to the season. He's been stuck on five home runs for quite a while, but still doing a good job getting on base. He's hitting a 300. You've got Connor Joe who's been able to make things a go. He's hitting above 300. I do, though, think that you're going to see some regression with some of these guys. As Right now, you've got Jack Swaniski along with Andrew McCutcheon. Mark Mathis, Topico Maracano, Rodolfo Castro, all in between the 272 to 290. I do think that McCutcheon should be able to maintain, and I like what I've seen out of Swinitsky as well from a power perspective. He's been able to give you five home runs, but I do think that in terms of this Pirates team, hitting a 258, we are going to see a little bit of regression there, but this is a little bit more of a friendly Washington National Ballpark. It's relatively neutral, so I do think that with these pitchers going, I do think that you're going to be able to get some runs, and in terms of the Vince Velasquez versus Chad Cool start, I do think that Chad Cool is going to be able to shape up a little bit more, as it has been a rough start to the season for him. 736 ERA, he's allowed five home runs in 18 and a third innings. He's given up 12 walks in those innings as well. The swing and miss stuff is not bad, and he is a former Pittsburgh Pirate. He's been away from the team for a few years, so most of the guys that were there, they're now gone, so not a lot of familiarity. And for Vince Velasquez, he's right now posting up 376 ERA. I need to see a bigger sample size before I can buy in. He's still giving up three plus runs in three out of his five starts thus far this season, but it's backed up by a relatively solid bullpen. I do think that we could see the long relievers in this one. I will say for Vince Velasquez, he's actually pitched better on the road than he has at home thus far this season. That was actually the case for him last year as well. So in both of these games, an A now for less looking at the overnight or higher to the under with Rachel set him as a minus 135 favorite against Patrick Corbin. So one to lay up to minus 134 with them, plus 136 or higher going to be taking a look at the Nationals. And then with Vince Velasquez versus Shaq Cool made the Pirates minus 132. So one to lay up to a minus 131 with the Pirates in that game. 953, 954 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves hit the road face off against the New York Mets. Tyler McGill is going to be going for the Mets and Spencer Strider is on the bump for Atlanta. Atlanta is between a minus 150 to a minus 160 favorite. Anywhere between plus 135 and plus 145, your number on the Metropolitans, with 8 being the total. Unders between minus 110 to minus 120. The overs anywhere between even and minus 110. Set the Braves at a minus 163 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, you're getting it anywhere between plus 110 to a plus 115. I was willing to lay up to a minus 105. I am going to be taking a look at this Atlanta Braves run line. The biggest thing with Tyler McGill is that he honestly just has not pitched that great at home. Thus far this season, Tyler McGill has been able to hold down the fort for the team. The five home runs of 25 innings is a little bit unsightly, but he's been able to work on the walks. But take a look back to 2022. 
He was just all over the place. He had a 437 home ERA, 584 road ERA. Overall gave up seven home runs and 47 and a third innings. And then you go back to his rookie season as well. That year he had an ERA of a 469 at home compared to a 432 on the road. So just has not had a lot of success in New York. And you take a look at this Mets lineup and it's just all about Pete Alonso trying to generate power for this team. Entered into yesterday with 10 home runs. He has been absolutely magnificent, but you need other guys to be able to pick it up. As you've got Eduardo Escobar, Tomas Dito, Francisco Alvarez, Tommy Pham, Francisco Lindor, Mark Canna, all entering into yesterday, hitting at 229 or lower. Brandon Nimmo's moved line. He's hitting right around at 330. Starling Marte, he's got good wheels, but he's not able to get on base, and they have to go up against an Atlanta Braves team that was number one in the National League last year in terms of total home runs. Ronald Acuna Jr. has been incredible with the way that he has been able to get on base. An on-base percentage hovering right around a 440 going into yesterday. And then you had Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson, Austin Riley all entering into yesterday. Anywhere between five and seven home runs apiece for all those guys. With Olson and Riley both above a 350 in terms of on-base. Sean Murphy, he slugged out six home runs going into yesterday. 400 on-base now. On the fold, you could use a little bit more there. Kevin Pillar has not been great. They've been dealing with injuries to Michael Harris, the second along Travis Arno, and Murphy has filled in admirably there, but Marcel Zuna off to a relatively rough start. And for the New York Mets, they've got a little bit of a leg up in terms of the bullpen. Their ERA entering into yesterday, top 10 in the big leagues. That's guys like Brooke Fraley, along with David Robertson. They have been valuable pickups for the team, and I've always liked Drew Smith as well. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, they are dealing with an injury to Brasio Glacius. They just got Colin McHugh back off the injury list. That should be able to help them out a little bit because Jesse Chavez has not been cutting in for the team this far this season. Kirby Yates, he was very good with the Padres many years ago. He's now up there in years. He's got north of four ERA as well, so it's been a little bit testy with the Braves' bullpen, but Spencer Strider has been nothing short of magnificent since the beginning part of last year. 13 strikeouts per nine innings. He is coming off of a masterful start against the Miami Marlins, where I believe that he took a perfecto slash a no-hitter into the seventh inning. He had 13 punch-outs in that one, and he's had at least nine strikeouts in each out of his first five starts. He has given up a grand total of six runs across his first five starts. I think that this should be domination by Spencer Strider. I think that the Mets, who have really been struggling out side of Pete Alonso at the plate are going to struggle once again. Somebody tell us 7.4, so going to be diving under. And when it comes to the uh, Atlanta Braves, going to be willing to take them on the run line at a plus price with one to lay up to a minus 105. 955, 956 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs. They had third faceoff against the Miami Marlins. It is Edward Cabrera who's going to be going for the Miami Marlins. And as of right now, the betting board says to be determined for the Chicago Cubs. It looks like it is going to be one Caleb Killian who's going to be getting this start in. Assuming that it is Killian against Edward Cabrera, I did set the Miami Marlins at a minus 123. So the minus 115 to minus 120 price that we are seeing in the Miami Marlins. I'm willing to take that. Seeing anywhere between 8 and 8.5 on the total on the 8. Over is minus 120. The unders even on the 8.5. Over and under are both at minus 110. And for Caleb Killian... He was solid at the minor league level two seasons ago. Really had a fall off last year at the AAA level. Posted up a 422 ERA, and that's not even a juice ball leg because he had five walks per nine innings. Thus far this season, he's made three starts. He's allowing 12 and a half hits per nine innings. His strikeout numbers aren't necessarily too great. He's still giving up north of three walks per nine innings. Highly touted prospect that. Could eventually be able to put it together, but in the uh, three starts they got a season ago, Caleb Killian got completely destroyed as he allowed 15 runs, 13 of which were earned. He had 12 walks in those three starts, and I believe that he lasted fewer than 12 innings. So 
Not great, to say the least. Edward Cabrera has had his command issues as well. 20 walks in 22 innings thus far this season. He has walked at least four in three out of his five starts, but he's got a lot more swing and miss. This year, he's been able to give you just under 10 punch-outs per nine innings. He does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. Actually, had a significantly higher home ERA than a road ERA a season ago, but for the Miami Marlins, the biggest thing for them is that they are currently last in the National League in terms of runs per game. You do have a pair of guys, though. It's just Shazlum Lanth or Solaire that entered into yesterday with five home runs apiece. If you take a look at advanced analytics, the way that Solaire has been able to rip the cover off the ball has been impressive, and they've got guys who are able to move the line. Luis Arias is hitting north of a 400 right now. I expect a little bit of regression, but that has been amazing. Brian De La Cruz, Garrett Cooper, Yoli Gurriel, all hitting at least a 277 going into yesterday. The bottom of the fold has really been killing them. Guys like Asu Sanchez, Avicio Garcia, Nick Fortes, Jacob Stallings hitting a 200 or lower has been brutal. And for the Chicago Cubs, they entered into yesterday leading the National League in terms of batting average. Among the guys with at least 28 at-bats, you had all but three out of those 10 hitting at least a 275 as You've got Cody Bellinger, who should be back any day now. I think that he was on the paternity list, so congratulations to him. As he, Nico Horner, Jan Gomes, Ian Happ, all hitting between a 300 to a 305, aside from Horner, who's hitting a 336. Not a ton of pop outside of Patrick Wisdom. Nine home runs for Wisdom thus far this season. He's going to have a strikeouts. He's probably going to end up with north of like 160 of them once again this year. But guys like C.A. Suzuki, Nick Madrigal, continuing to get on base. That has been solid. Both of these teams, not terrible bullpens, not great bullpens. Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer have been good additions for the Chicago Cubs with both of these teams. We're between about 15th and 22nd in terms of bullpen ERA entering into yesterday. You've been able to get a few solid innings out of Mike Leiter Jr. in the Cubs bullpen as well. And for the Marlins, having JT Chargois out of the fold has hurt this bullpen as A.J. Puck has been able to do a solid job. Yoan Quizada is someone that they're going to be looking to for innings moving forward as Uskar Badazobin has been a little bit hot and cold. And Dylan Floro this far this year has been okay, but if you look at the advanced numbers, doing for a little bit of regression as well. But I do think that with the Chicago Cubs trotting out their Killian, it's not necessarily the world's greatest situation. One doubted if Adbert Alzale is sort of piggybacking off of him. So it is a circumstance where I set the Miami Marlins at a minus 123 bone to a minus 122 with them. Did sell my total at 7.7. Very pitcher-friendly ballpark. And it has the Miami team that has had a tough time generating runs as a whole. And I do think that there's going to be regression to a Cubs team that's really been leading the National League in terms of runs per game. So my total at 7.7 looking under and looking at the fish. Now we go to my DK Nation write-up pick. 957, 958 on the betting board. This is going to be happening out in Mexico City. The San Diego Padres, technically the home team against the San Francisco Giants. Sean Manea goes for the San Francisco Giants. Joe Musgrove is on the bump for the Padres. Padres between minus 165 to minus 175. Favorites between plus 150 and plus 155. Your number on San Francisco. 15 is the total. Over and under both at minus 110. And that's the write-up pick. I set my total at a 12.8. Now, the reason why we've got such a high total in this one is that this ballpark is about 7,200 feet above sea level. For comparison, about 2,000 feet higher up than Coors Field. In Coors Field, the um, right and left field fences are out between 347 and 350 feet. Dead center is 415 feet. Dead center in this ballpark is 400 feet. Fences are out on both sides right around 325 feet. So it's a smaller ballpark at higher elevation than Coors Field, but 15 feels relatively ridiculous because you do have a San Francisco Giants team that they're going to be trotting out their Chaminade, who stinks. 
He has went three and two-thirds innings or fewer in four out of his five appearances thus far this season, but I do think that they're probably going to get him out of there very soon, and this team has been one of the best in terms of their bullpen at getting ground balls, as they are actually fourth in terms of ground ball rate among bullpens since the all-star break of the 2022 campaign. Now, bullpen has been having its issues as San Francisco Giants team enters into the series 25th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, and the San Diego Padres, they're a bottom eight team in terms of bullpen ERA as well. It's been a little bit rough for them, but I do think that Joe Musgrove is going to be able to do a good job in this circumstance since the beginning of the 2022 season. 312 ERA, and among qualifying starting pitchers on the road, he is in the top 10 in terms of ground ball outs, so... I think that that is very good to help you out for Joe Musgrove. Does relatively saw a job of being able to limit hard contact. And for the San Diego Padres, this team is currently last in the National League in terms of batting average. They're 27th in the league in terms of run scored. They just have not been able to get anything generated whatsoever. You've had a little bit of power thus far from Juan Soto as he's been able to provide the team with four home runs, but it's really been Xander Bogarts who's been the only guy living up to his billing. 409 on base, hitting above a three and he's been able to supply five home runs, and then for Soto, even though you've got a few home runs, he, Trent Grisham, Brandon Dixon, Austin Supernola, Rudnad Odor, all these guys earning below the Mendoza line of 200. Awesome Kim, Manny Machado, Jake Cronworth, Fernando Tatis Jr., all in a 226 or lower. Matt Carpenter is going to be able to get on base, but he's hitting a 229 as well. That's been a rather tough now for the San Francisco Giants. They currently lead the National League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis with two. They also lead the National League in terms of percentage of at-bats that end in a strikeout. So you've got both of those things there. And for the San Francisco Giants, they very much play platoon splits. You're probably not going to have anyone on this team end the year with north of 30 home runs, but as it stands right now, you've got six guys with between four and five home runs. Michael Comforto, J.D. Davis, Mikey Yastrzemski, Therio Estrada, Blake Zobel, throw in there, Wilmer Flores as well, but this team doesn't move the line a ton. They're hitting about a 240 as a collective, a little bit below average in terms of MLB standards with Comforto along with Sabo. Both of these guys hitting below a 235. Brandon Crawford has been terrible this year. He and David VR both hitting below a buck 75. And for the Giants, recognize that the bullpen is not great, but Camille Yudval, Scott Alexander, these guys have been able to give you a sub-3 ERA since beginning part of last season. Rogers squared has been a big giant roll of the dice as Tyler Rogers, a sub one ERA. Taylor Rogers north of a six ERA, and I don't think that Chaminet is going to be lasting very long in this game. Meanwhile, for the Padres, I do think that Joe Musgrove is going to be able to land a good start, which is big because their bullpen has been all over the place. So I will say, Brent Honeywell has been solid at sub-250 ERA. You've had Josh Hader do an absolutely magnificent job for this team, and I think that Luis Garcia is going to get a little bit closer to what he was last season for Luis Garcia. Right now, posting up an 844 ERA to 339 ERA last season. I do think that he's been a little bit unlucky. Steven Wilson had a sub-3 ERA last season as well. So, my DK Nation write-up pick, I recognize it's at elevation, but 15 is just too far here with this total. I am going to be taking a look at the under. And then, when it comes to the money line slash run line, I do think that the San Diego Padres, they should be able to get a little bit more online. I made this line minus 204 on the money line for the Padres, and that's part of it as well. If you don't have the Padres bet, that means that you don't have last ups there. That helps out with the under as well. But for the Padres, it was one delay up to a minus 120 on this run line. Currently finding it in between even money and minus 110. I'm going to reduce the juice. I'm looking at the Padres on the run line. I do think that they get to Chaminet in this spot. So looking at that Padres run line and my DK Nation write-up pick, that is going to be on the total under. 950 
969960 on the betting board. Nazir is in the Diamondbacks on the road facing up against the Colorado Rockies. As you got Noah Davis on the bump for Colorado and Tommy Henry is on the bump for Arizona. Pick'em game here. Both teams are in between minus 104 to minus 110 on the money line with a total of 12. Unders any between minus 110 to minus 120. The overs any between even and minus 110. Semi total at 13.2. I'm going to be looking at the over in this spot. And for the Arizona Diamondbacks, I'm going to be willing to ride with them. I set the Diamondbacks as a minus 133 money line favorite with Noah Davis. He has looked very solid in his first few starts. I think that this is going to be all crashing down. If you take a look at his minor league numbers, he was giving up well north of three walks per nine innings. He was in a juice ball league, but those walks are not going to be going away. In my opinion, he's always had some relatively good swing and miss stuff, 10 punch outs and nine and two-thirds innings, but he's been very lucky on balls and play. He's given up nine hits in his nine and two-thirds innings along with these walks. He's had to strand a lot of guys on base. Meanwhile, for Tommy Henry, he did give up about 1.9 home runs per nine innings last season at the big league level. First start, it wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. Four hits, four walks, a lot in four and a third innings, three total runs against Kansu Royals. I do think that he's going to be able to clean that up a little bit. That's why he's been relatively okay in terms of his command. If you look at the minor league level, you tell that at the big league level, he was a little bit spooked. Four walks per nine innings a season ago, and now he does have to pitch at Coors Field, and as we know, Coors Field, it does lend itself to a whole bunch of runs, and for the years on the Diamondbacks, this team is towards the top of the National League in terms of batting average, especially at home, as you got a lot of guys that you wouldn't expect it to hit right now. It's Nick Ahmed along with Gabriel Moreno yesterday entered inning above a 280. You've been able to have Quintel Marte of the Marte Parte do a solid job moving the line as he along Lourdes Gurriel in between about a 255 to a 270, and you know that you're going to be able to get a little bit more moving forward on a Christian Walker. He's only in about a 225 with three home runs as far this season. That should be going upward. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, they were the number one team in terms of runs scored per game at home last season. They were dead last in terms of runs scored per game on the road last season. You got to figure that his team is going to have similar splits this year because it always happens with the Colorado Rockies. Chris Bryant has been able to hit above a 300 along the line. See, as these guys have done a solid job of moving the line, you've got Charlie Blackman who always hits above a 300 in Colorado. They don't necessarily supply a bunch of home runs, just given the ballpark dimensions, and it's a little bit harder to hit one out in April than, say, June, July. But I do think that for the Colorado Rockies, they are going to be able to get a little bit of power generated as you take a look at their home splits going into the game yesterday. They had 10 home runs in their first 10 games, but they were hitting as a collective 283 with Ryan McMahon hitting about a 353 at home. And for the Rockies, they have been able to fortify their bullpen a little bit more. They pick up Pierce Johnson in the offseason. He's been a little bit of a hot mess, right around about a four ERA, but I like the additions of Brent Suter along with Brad Hand. They've got Daniel Bard back in the fold. Meanwhile, for the years and the Diamondbacks, they made good additions of their own as you've got Andrew Chafe and Miguel Castro to fortify what they have from last season in Kyle Nelson along Joe Mantiply, a pair of guys with a sub-3 ERA. I thought I'd think that Tommy Henry is a better pitcher in this spot, and I do think that with the way that Coors Field plays, it is going to be yielding a bunch of runs, and I don't think either starter is going to be long for this game. So, set my total at 13.2. You're at a 12.5 looking at the over with the Diamondbacks. I'm going to be willing to take this pick on prices. I made them north of a minus 130 favorite. 961-962 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers playing OC St. Louis Cardinals. Jordan Montgomery is going to be going for the Cardinals and Clayton Kershaw is on the bump for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers are anywhere between minus 139 and minus 155 favorites. Anywhere between plus 125 and plus 135 your number on the Cardinals. 8 to 8.5 is your total on the 8.5. Under is between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is between even a minus 105 on the 8. Over is between minus 110 to a minus 125. The under is anywhere between plus 105 
and minus 110. Did set my total at an 8.3. I personally would rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under because the LA Dodgers, they are getting Max Muncy back in the fold and I do think that they are going to be supplying quite a bit of boom. And Clayton Kershaw has legitimately been giving up far more home runs at home rather than on the road if you date it back to the back half of the 2020 season. I do think that the St. Louis Cardinals get a little bit more back online with regards to their offense as well. So I would rather have an 8 over right now. And I did set the LA Dodgers minus 188 on the money line. I was willing to lay a small price on the run line. Find that anywhere between plus 135 to plus 140. I'm going to be willing to take that for the LA Dodgers. I believe that they have had a 121 in total regular season wins since the start of the 2022 season. I might be off by one or two, but only 19 of those have come by one run. And I do think that this is going to be a nice power display from them. And I do think that the Cardinals, they're going to be able to move the line as well. You've got a lot of guys that they're just sitting on two home runs as of right now for the San Louis Cardinals going into Friday. Just three guys north of two home runs as far this season. Nolan Gorman has six. He's hitting a 290. Paul Goldschmidt, four bombs, hitting a 300. And then you've got Alec Burleson. He's been able to hit about a 235 with three bombs. You do have Tommy Edmond as well, but so many guys like a Brendan Donovan, Wilson Contreras, Nolan Arenado. You just go down the list. It feels like everyone else has two home runs, and they're all hitting like a 265 to a 275. Meanwhile, for the LA Dodgers, this team has not been able to move the line, but they lead the National League in home runs, hitting a 223 as a collective going to yesterday. That's a bottom five mark in the big leagues, but their on-base percentage is actually very good. This is also one of the best teams at being able to draw walks. You know that Mookie Betts is going to be able to pick it up. He's hitting a 233 with three home runs thus far. That is not Mookie Betts-like. Now, you've got James Elman and Freddie Freeman, both hitting a 287 right around 365 on base, and with Elman, seven home runs as far as the season. The big key for the Dodgers, the bottom of the fold as Jason Award, Chris Taylor, David Peralta, Trace Thompson, Austin Barnes, Miguel Rojas, all these guys are hitting a 200 or lower. That is really what's been killing them. And for the LA Dodgers last year, they had the top open in terms of ERA in the National League. This year, it has been right around the 20 range, as I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up. Evan Phillips, Alex Vesia, Yancey Almonte, Kevin Ferguson, they all had a sub-3-2 ERA last season. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, it's been a little bit rudderless for them, as they've been... Dealing with having Ryan Helsley be up and down, that has not been great. I do like Genesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, so they bring in Jojo Romero, not a guy that I necessarily have a lot of faith in as well. And then when it comes to Jordan Montgomery, he's always been good at not giving out the free pass. He was giving up about two walks per nine innings last season, so I do think that you're going to be able to get some length out of him. He sometimes does get a little bit involved in just giving up too much contact in general because he does a solid job of not giving up walks. He typically gives you about eight to nine punch shots per nine innings. And you take a look at what he's done this year, giving up just one home run in north of 28 innings. That's pretty solid, but I do fear that that could be trending upward just a little bit last year, about 1.1 home runs per nine innings surrender. But on the road, that hike to right around about 1.4 home runs per nine innings. I do think that the LA Dodgers are going to be able to get to him. Looks like Max Muncy should be back. He entered into yesterday, leading the big leagues in terms of home runs. So getting an eight, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over with Clayton. Kershaw. I do think that he's going to be able to do a solid job here. He still is providing right around nine strikeouts per nine innings. Just five walks in his 31 innings. I think that he outclasses Montgomery, and I do think that the Dodgers have a bit of a better lineup in this spot. Looking at the Dodgers on the run line at a plus price, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total over. Here comes the other of our double dips. 963, 964 on the betting board is going to be in conjecture with 983, 984 on the betting board. As of right now, we've got no numbers up on these games because we have seen a flip of pictures. I am going to be utilizing MLB.com 
for the expected starters in this one as the betting board is a little bit confused as it looks like in game number one we're getting Dean Kramer going for the Orioles and Eduardo Rodriguez going for the Detroit Tigers and then in game number two Grayson Rodriguez is going to be going for the Orioles and Matthew Boyd is going to be on the bump for the Detroit Tigers we are going to be going with this and any changes that are made those are going to be up on my Twitter feed at GNRS41 because it's a murky situation but first things first we'll get to Kramer against Eduardo Rodriguez I set Kramer and the Orioles as a minus 114 favorite and on both of these games I set my total at 8.2 so on both games 8 or less looking at the over 8.5 or higher looking at the under for Eduardo Rodriguez, he has come out and shoved thus far this season, 232 ERA. Not necessarily getting a bunch of strikeouts, about seven and a half punch outs per nine innings, but has worked on the walks. Actually led the American League in terms of total walks during the 2019 season. Thus far, five walks and 31 innings thus far this season, and he's coming off of giving up one hit and seven shutout innings against the Baltimore Orioles and his team losing that game. Right, thus far this season, the Detroit Tigers are 1-4 in its starts because they have flat out provided him with a lack of run support. If you do the math here, they have provided him a grand total of 7 runs of support in his last 5 games. I do think that this should be going northward a little bit because it's really hard to average 1.4 runs of support per game, but it makes sense because this Detroit Tigers team has been absolutely putrid at the plate. They are currently in the bottom 3 in the big leagues in pretty much every offensive category. 17 home runs in 24 games, throwing a 2.16 as a Collective and just take a look at this lineup. You've got Matt Veerling along Zach McKinstry. They're both hanging between about a 255 to a 265. Eric Haas has been able to hit a 270. These are the only three guys on the roster that are currently hitting above a 238. I mean, it's just really sad. You have had Gary Carpenter along with Nick Mayton be able to give you four home runs apiece. Both of these guys are hanging at 220 or lower. Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Jason Rogers, all in between about a 220 to 225 is rough. And the Orioles just flat out have the Detroit Tigers outgunned in the bullpen. Even if you do have Eduardo Rodriguez give you seven strong innings, you then have to go down to the bullpen and realize, oh, good grief, we have to deal with these jabronis as you had so many guys last year, like Michael Fulmer, Gregory Soto, that you were able to rely upon, Andrew Chafin as well. This year, you just don't have as much of that. You still have Jose Cicero from last season. Alex Lang has been able to do a relatively okay job, but you just don't have the arms that you have on the flip side for the Baltimore Orioles. Your longer guys like a Mason Ingler, Tyler Alexander, all these guys have north of a 370 RA. Meanwhile, for the Orioles, they're currently number three in terms of bullpen ERA. Keegan Aiken is able to provide some length. Mike Bauman has been able to give you multiple innings. He's got a sub one ERA thus far this season. Seattle Perez has fallen off a little bit, but I do think that you're going to be able to get a solid start out of Dean Kramer for Kramer. He's provided a 620 ERA, and we've seen massive regression from last year. This has never been a good strikeout guy since the beginning part of last season, right around 6.4 punch-outs per nine innings, which is why I did think that it was a little bit befuddling that last year at a 3.23 ERA, giving up right around 0.8 home runs per nine innings on the road. He was giving up the deep ball a little bit more and more, like one home run per nine innings, but certainly I did think that that was going to be going northward, but going up against this lineup, that's going to be very beneficial for him because the one thing that Kramer does well, he doesn't walk a lot of guys. Seven walks in 24 and two-thirds innings, playing in a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark against the Detroit Tigers, being backed up by the bullpen that he is. I did think that he should be able to get the job done, so in game number one, I did set the Orioles at minus 114, so willing to lay up to a minus 113, plus 115 or higher, looking at the Tigers, and then eight or less looking at the over eight and a half or higher to the under. And then in 983, 984, the later game, Grayson Rodriguez goes for the Orioles, Matthew Boyd for the Tigers, and I set the Orioles in this one at a minus 142, just flat out because Matthew Boyd gives up so much hard contact. Since the All-Star break in 2019, Matthew Boyd is giving up about two home runs 
for nine innings. He's coming back after he did not start pretty much a single game last season. And he's been okay thus far, but he hasn't lent a lot of length. Five innings or fewer in each out of his four starts. He always jacks up his pitch count because he goes for strikeouts. And he's a good strikeout guy for his career, north of nine and a half punch outs per nine innings. But he's currently giving you about 4.6 walks per nine innings. And then that puts it in the hands of some poopy long relievers for this team. He's only given up three home runs in 19 innings thus far this season. So that's off and bad. Grayson Rodriguez. He's got that tendency to do that as well, but he's backed up by a far better bullpen. Rodriguez, good up-and-coming prospect for this Baltimore Orioles team that he's had a little bit of an up-and-down start to his career between his starts against the Chicago White Sox and the Oakland A's and given up nine runs and nine in the third innings, but coming off of the best start of his career, last time he started, he was going up against Eduardo Rodriguez and the Detroit Tigers on Sunday. Five scoreless innings, did walk three, but swinging his stuff clearly there with them. Ten and a half punch outs per nine innings, and then you take a look at this Baltimore Orioles lineup, and I do think that they are going to be able to manufacture enough runs to be able to support them. They're currently number six in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. I do think that we're going to see a little bit of a fall off with this. This is a little bit of a top-heavy lineup as of right now, but I do think that you're going to see guys get back online as Gunnar Anderson, Adam Frazier, Anthony Santander, they're all in a 215 or lower. Only Henderson has a on-base percentage worth of a 300. Ryan Mountcastle, 20 RBI, but only hitting about a 230 with a 252 on-base. But he'll be able to supply six home runs. Edley Rushman, Austin the Saves kid. Both of these kids are hitting above 285. Both of these guys giving you four home runs apiece. It's a team that has had 29 home runs over the first 24 games of the season. It's not great. It's not terrible. I do think that they're going to be right around there when it's all said and done. Maybe a little bit higher, but I do think that with Baltimore, the bullpen is going to be able to help out Grayson Rodriguez, and I think that Matthew Boyd is going to be out early, which means that you're going to be seeing that Tigers bullpen. So once again in this one, Eater Lutz looking at the over in Afrier to the under, and then in Grayson Rodriguez versus Matthew Boyd, want to lay up to a minus 141 with the Orioles. We need at least a plus 143 to take a shot on the Tigers. So hopefully I kept that clean for you guys. 965-966 on the betting board. It is the Minnesota Twins playing us to the Kansas City Royals. Brad Keller is going to be going for the Royals and Bailey Overs on the bump for Minnesota. It is the total over and under, both at minus 110 with Minnesota. They're anywhere to minus 210 to minus 220 favorites anywhere between plus 185 and plus 195 is your number on the Kansas City Royals with the Royals I was willing to take a shot as long as I was getting at least a plus 187 I set my number at a plus 186 right now seeing a lot of plus 190 or so and I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Royals now with Brad Keller, you always fear the walks. As he's given up 19 walks in 25 innings thus far this season and for his career. He's given up about four walks per nine innings. But in three starts on the road, he's actually been solid, posting up a 331 road ERA. Walks, again, have been a little bit of a concern. But last year, he was giving up a lot more hard contact than he was this season. Last year, opponent's batting average was 277. He's clearly missing a lot more barrels thus far this season. So that is something that you do like. Now, I will say on the... Uh, Board for ESPN. I am currently seeing Sonny Gray. I think that they are just mistyping this as betting board, and I believe that ESPN is also listing Bailey Ober. But with Ober, I do think that he's going to be able to lend a relatively solid start. Someone that just came off the injured list about a week or so ago, but has always been able to do a solid job in terms of the command. Last year and the year before that was only given up about two walks per nine innings. It's been a very short career for him thus far with 32 starts across his two plus seasons. He is prone to giving up hard contact as he's given up for his career right around about 1.6, 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but playing at a pitcher-friendly ballpark against one of the most deplorable offenses in all of baseball, that should be able to help him out as this Kansas City Royals team, they entered into the day on... Friday, 
in the bottom three in terms of total batting average. They were able to get six runs yesterday, so give them a little bit of credit as you've got Bobby Witt Jr. along with Vinny Pascantino. We'll be able to give you between four and five home runs apiece. Witt Jr. sitting about at 240. Pascantino has been able to hit 278. Salvador Perez seems to be picking it up. Three at game yesterday. He's now hitting a 265 for the season. Has been able to supply three home runs, but still have so many guys like Thady Eaton, Michael Massey, Kyle Isabel, Hunter Dozier, MJ Melendez. They're all hitting below the Bedell's line of 200. And for the Minnesota Twins, they haven't been too impressive with their lineup as well. But getting back, Ore Palonco has been big. He's been able to give you a 367 average. He's able to hit for a little bit of power. Joey Gallo all of a sudden has been able to show a whole lot of something. He's got seven bombs, just missed another one yesterday that went for a triple. He's had a 368-ish on base. You've had Carlos Correa be a little bit slow out of the box, and then you expect a little bit more out of the likes of Jose Miranda, Byron Buxton, Trevor Larnich, are in between about a 242 and 250. I think that they're going to be able to pick it up a little bit as well, especially Buxton from a power perspective. Just five home runs as far this season after last year. He was able to get a home run every about 15 or so at-bats. And for the Minnesota Twins, it's been a pedestrian bullpen. Not great, not terrible. They are currently missing Ore Alcala, but they've got another Ore and Ore Lopez, who was able to give the team a sub-3 ERA last season. Yohan Duran is able to throw 100 plus miles per hour for the Kansas City Royals. Bottom three team in terms of bullpen ERA. This despite the fact that Oldest Shaman and Scott Barlow have been relatively solid for the team. Your long relievers like Jose Cuas, Taylor Clark, Carlos Hernandez, Amir Garrett, they are all guys that you can't trust. And I actually do think that Josh Taylor might be able to give this team a little bit of upside, but there's not a lot of trusting in this Royals bullpen. But I do think that Brad Keller going to be able to go a little bit deeper in the game. I do think that he's going to be able to limit the walks. And for Bailey Ober, even going up against this deplorable Kansas City Royals lineup, he does give up the deep ball. He has always been off and on injured. He typically just is not stretched out enough because he's coming off of so many rehab assignments that you don't know what you're going to be able to get out of him. I think that this is going to be a low-scoring game. I like the way that Brad Keller has come out this far this season, and it's a struggling Minnesota Twins team in terms of the lineup as well. So I did something I told us 7.4, looking at the 800, and with the Royals at a plus 187 or higher, going to be one to take them on the money line. 967, 968 on the betting board. It is the Seattle Mariners. They third face-off against the Toronto Blue Jays. For the Blue Jays, it is good old to be determined. Meanwhile, Chris Flexen is on the bump for them. I have simulated this as if we are going to be getting Kevin Gosman, and I think bookmakers are doing the same. Right now, we're finding the Toronto Blue Jays at DraftKings at minus 205, plus 175 on the Seattle Mariners. Nine and a half is the total, under is minus 120, and the over is even, seeing a straight nine out there as well. But with the nine, the over is anywhere between minus 110 to a minus 120, the under is anywhere between even a minus 110, and the other books that aren't DraftKings, I'm seeing them in between minus 190 to minus $2 on the Toronto Blue Jays, anywhere between plus 170 to plus 185, your price on Seattle. The bigger question is the run line. I set it at a minus 113 on the Toronto Blue Jays. I am currently seeing minus 105 at DraftKings. I'd be willing to take the run line if we do get Gosman along with Chris Flexen at these numbers. For Kevin Gosman, he's been giving up quite a bit of contact thus far this season, and that'll happen just because he doesn't give up any walks. Five walks in 31 and two-thirds innings, and despite the fact that he gets strikeouts, he is in the zone quite a bit, so that does allow for a little bit of contact. Four home runs surrendered in 31 and two-thirds innings, and this is a little bit of a hitter's paradise in Toronto, but absolutely love the way that he's shoving in. This is just a complete pitching mismatch. You take a look at Chris Flexen, and he's right now posting up at 886 ERA, giving up 21 runs at 21 and a third innings. He's a guy that doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, and is currently giving up four and a half walks per nine innings. That is a recipe for absolute disaster, as he has given up a grand total of 18 runs over the course of his last three starts across 12 and a third innings. 
has just been simply figured out. He's not really locating well. Now, he is backed up by a Mariners bullpen that entered in the series at the top 10 in terms of bullpen ERA. Got a pair of guys in Ben Murphy along with Paul Sewell that last season all had a sub-3 ERA. Diego Casilla, though, is a little bit of a roll of the dice. Matt Brash coming out of the bullpen has had north of a 5 ERA. I will say, I like what I've been seeing out of Justin Topa along with Taylor Saucedo, but for the Toronto Blue Jays, even though bullpen has been relatively average to begin the season, was expecting perhaps a little bit more out of Jordan Romano. His ERA is right around 3-5. I still like the fact that you've got guys like Jimmy Garcia, Tim Mays, Zach Pop, they're able to do a solid job. Anthony Bass, well, get your popcorn ready whenever he's out there, but by and large, I do think that this Toronto Blue Jays team should be able to get it done here as they actually entered right around league average in terms of home runs. Entering into yesterday, you know that this is going to be going upward as Flagler Jr., Boba Shipp, Matt Chapman, they've all been able to give you right around five or so home runs thus far this season. All three of these guys currently are hitting above a 315. So they have been impressive all under Kirk after a slow start to the season. He had a three at game yesterday. He was able to supply a home run. You know that George Springer is going to be able to pick it up. He, Dalton Varshow, Brandon Belt, lying below a 225. You know that that's going to be going northward. Meanwhile, for Seattle, they were third worst in the league in terms of batting average last season. And they've been doing much of the same this season. Jared Kelnick has been amazing as Kelnick has been able to provide you with a 380 on base, seven home runs, and Eugenio Suarez. He's been able to get on base, but hasn't provided a lot of home runs. That's the exact opposite of what you expect out of him. But the bottom of the full, these guys like Colton Wong, along with Jose Calabreo, they're on their AJ Pollock. They just have not lived up to their billing task. Hernandez is hiding at 220. He's been all over the place thus far this season. So I do think that Kevin Gosman and company should be able to get it done. I did sell my toilet at 8.3. I think that the Mariners are going to have a tough time getting to Gosman. So assuming that we get Gosman versus Chris Flexen, this is going to be a circumstance where I'm going to be taking a look at the 9 slash 9.5 under. And with the Blue Jays, want to lay up to a minus 112 on the run line. 969, 970 on the betting board. It is the Cleveland Guardians sitting the road to face off against the Boston Red Sox as Zach Polisak goes for the Guardians. As of right now, it's looking like we're getting Brian Mayo for the Boston Red Sox. I'm currently only seeing a number up at DraftKings. I'm seeing minus 120 on Boston, even money on the Cleveland Guardians. Nine and a half is the total. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. Was seeing a little bit earlier. We were getting the Guardians more around a plus 115 or so, and if we're able to get that price, I'd be taking a look at the Guardians. I personally set the Red Sox at a minus 106. There's a little bit of question mark here because there might be a possibility that Garrett Woodlock goes, and if Woodlock goes, I was setting the Red Sox more around a minus 143, so be mindful of that, but if we do get Police Act versus Bayo, anything above a plus 106, I'd be willing to take a look at Cleveland. Now, Fleasek, not been the world's sharpest thus far this season as he has allowed 13 earned runs over the course of 18 innings. That said, he's been a little bit better in his last three starts. He's given up three runs or fewer, going five plus innings and every one of them. Given up just one home run, three walks in those last three starts. Never been too much of a swing and miss guy. 13 punch outs and 18 innings this far this season, but he's backed up by Cleveland Guardians bullpen that, if you date it back to the all-star break of the 2022 season, number one in terms of bullpen here right now. You've got trepidation here with the fact that Emmanuel Colossae has been used up in back-to-back days, so that's a little bit of an issue, but that said, you still have guys like Aniel De Los Santos, Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven. These guys all posted up a sub-3-2 ERA last season. I do think that James Karinczak is going to be able to turn it around 
mound after a rough start to the season. And for the Boston Red Sox, they entered into the day on Friday, number four in the big leagues in terms of runs per game, but they're a very top-heavy lineup as you got Justin Turner, Masataka Yoshida, both providing north of a 365 on base. And then Alex Verdugo has been able to hit right around 300. Rafael Devers, main power hitter, nine home runs, but only about a 231. But got a lot of guys towards the bottom of the fold, not holding up their end of the bargain. Kike Hernandez has been hitting right around a 245. Tristan Casas, Yu Chang, along with Christian Wong. These are guys that are hitting below the Mendoza line of 200, so they have been a little bit of a letdown. And for the Cleveland Guardians, this team is currently last in the American League in terms of total home runs. They were able to supply a pair of them yesterday, but right now your top home run hitter is Jose Ramirez with three home runs. And what was really generating offense for the Cleveland Guardians last season was not necessarily the home run ball. They were second to last in terms of home runs last season. It was just being able to move the line. Guys like Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon, Ahmed Rosario, Andre Semenez, Stephen Kwan, Jose Ramirez, they were all hitting at least a 270 last season. Only guy hitting above a 265 thus far this season is Jose Ramirez. You've had Josh Bell hitting about a 215. He was brought in to bring the team some power. He has not been able to do so. So that's a little bit of an issue for the Boston Red Sox. Their bullpen ERA is actually in the top half of the big leagues. I think that's built a little bit on sand as you've got guys like Brennan Bernardino, Ryan Brazier, Caleb Ort, Richard Blyer, and if you really get down to it, Kenley Jansen that are trying to close out games. That's not necessarily too terrific, but I do take a look at Brian Bale. Last year, he had an ERA that was well north of a 4-5, but his fielding independent was more than a point lower than that. He thus far this season has been getting lit up. Eight runs given up in seven and two-thirds innings. I do think that we're going to see some positive progression from. He's a good swing and miss guy. He's already gone thus far this season. Eight punch outs and at the minor league level was a strikeout artist for this team. So I think going up against a team like Cleveland is going to serve him well. So in this circumstance at the Boston Red Sox at a minus 106 one to lay up to a minus 105 with them plus 107 or greater. Looking at the Guardians and somebody tell it at 8.7 seeing between 9 and 9.5 nine and dive and under 971, 972 on the betting board. The New York Yankees set the road face off against the Walker Texas Rangers. Nathan Avaldi is going to be going for the Rangers. Johnny Brito is going to be going for the Yankees, and the Yankees are anywhere between a plus 120, a plus 128 underdogs, anywhere between minus 135 to minus 145. Your number on Texas, eight and a half is the total overs between minus 115 and minus 120. The understanding between even a minus 105. And I personally made the Yankees a very slight favorite in this spot. I set them at minus 111. Going to be one to trust in Johnny Rito in this spot. I think that he might just have a bad matchup in general against the Minnesota Twins because in games in which he has not started against the Minnesota Twins, he's got a sub-1 ERA thus far this season against the Minnesota Twins. It has been absolutely disastrous, which is why you see the 6-11 ERA thus far this season and the other starts he has made. It's not quite a sub-1 ERA. I might have over-exaggerated a little bit, but 14 and two-thirds innings against the Angels, the Orioles, and the San Francisco Giants. He's given up two runs, and then against the Minnesota Twins in those two starts, 10 runs surrendered in three and a third innings. So that has been a little bit tough, and both of these teams have been dealing with some injuries in terms of their lineup. Corey Seager is currently out of the fold for the Texas Rangers. John Carlos in is out for the Yankees. The Yankees proven to be a little bit of an all-or-nothing team. They did have Aaron Judge on the fold yesterday as well. You got to figure that he should be good to go for the weekend though. And then Anthony Brizzo, he's been able to do a good job moving the line. 380 on base. You know that he's able to supply quite a bit of power. DJ LeMayu, he's hitting right around 8270. Big thing for this Yankees team. 
getting the bottom of the fold to pick it up as Kyle Gashioka, along with Franchi Cordero, Aaron Hicks, Oswaldo Peraza. All these guys were in the starting lineup yesterday. All these guys hurting below 200. Anthony Volpe seems to be turning it around a little bit, but he hasn't been great. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, got a lot of balance towards the middle of this lineup as you've got Adelise Garcia, Josh Young, Nate Lowe, all these guys in between about a 262-275. Robbie Grossman has been able to move the line along with Ezekiel Duran towards the bottom of the fold. And Marcus Simeon, he's had four home runs over the last two weeks. He's now providing about a 370 on base as well, but both of these teams have been terrific with their bullpen. The Rangers had a little bit of a in Cincinnati, but still a top half of the league team in terms of bullpen ERA. Jose LeClerc, coupled with Brock Burke, throwing their Jonathan Hernandez. They all had sub three ERAs last season, but the New York Yankees entered into yesterday number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. I really like all these guys for them, other than Clay Holmes. Clay Holmes has been all over the place as far as the season, but even he has been able to turn it around. Jimmy Cordero has like a 325 ERA, but you take a look at all these guys. Juan Metanacchio, Michael King, Ian Hamilton, Greg Weisert, throw in there Albert Abreu. All these guys have a sub-255 ERA right now, so they do back up Johnny Brito quite well. And for Nathan Evaldi, he just gives up lots of contact in general. You date it all the way back to 2014. An opponent's earning right around about a 263 off of him. He's got a 520 ERA. I mean, you talk about the problems with Brito, you've got those with Evaldi as well. Both of these guys have only given up one home run, by the way. And for Evaldi, just five bucks and 27 and two-thirds eggs. You go back to Brito in terms of his minor league numbers. He was only giving up like two and a half or so walks per nine innings. Ten walks and seven and two-thirds innings. I do think he's going to be able to clean that up. Evaldi has been able to get about 10 punch outs per nine innings, but gives up a lot of contact in general. I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to get to him in this spot. Did some might tell it at 8.4. Getting an 8.5. Going to be looking at the under. Yankees entered this series. The top under team in all of baseball. I think that that continues. And when it comes to the uh, New York Yankees, made them the very slight favorite. So getting a plus price on the Yankees, taking them on the money line, and taking a look at the under. 973-974 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays hit the red face off against the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn is going to be going for the Sox and Yoni Joninos is on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays are between minus 132 to minus 140 favorites. They're between plus 118 and plus 130. Your number on Chicago. Nine is the total. Unders between even money and minus 115. The over as they between minus 105 and minus 120. And with the Tampa Bay Rays made the minus 148 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're only getting about a plus 115 to a plus 120. I'm seeing a plus 125 at DraftKings. And my cutoff point was I needed at least a plus 110. I would rather play it safe on this one with the money line just because you're dealing with someone in Yoni Chirino said he's sort of been up and down. He's been a bit of a journeyman with the Tampa Bay Rays. And thus far, he's been really good with the Tampa Bay Rays this year. Nine and a third inning scoreless, but he got a lot of starts in 2019. And then he was sort of stuck in their minor league system for a few years. Has always done a solid job of not giving up walks. With Chirino's for his career, it's right around about 2.2 walks per nine innings. So you feel good about that. He just gives up quite a bit of hard contact. And for the Chicago White Sox, what is good about this for Yoni Chirinos is that they just have been completely rudderless at the plate all season long. You've got no discipline with this team whatsoever. They, by the way, are not hitting lefties this year as well, which that's just making a bad situation worse for the White Sox. They're hitting 231 as collective. They are one of the worst teams at being able to draw walks in the big leagues now. You do have Jake Berger, who's been able to give the team six home runs as far this season. He's been able to hit 240, and then you've got Luis Robert, who's been able to supply five home runs, but 
Not having out in there on the field, Yoan Moncada along, Tim Anderson has really been taking a toll. So yes, Monty Grandal has been able to move the line for this team. Andrew Benatendi, he's hitting right around a 280 or so, but you've got Oscar Colas, Roberto I mentioned before, Sebi Zavala, Elvis Andrews, Eloy Jimenez, all these guys hitting at 223 or lower. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they were limited just three runs yesterday, but this is still the top team in the league in terms of runs scored, in terms of home runs. You've got so many guys that are stepping up in a big way. Brandon Lau has an SAF for average, but he's been able to supply the team with seven home runs. He's still getting right around a 360 on base, and you just take a look at this team. And right now, I believe that out of guys that have seen a legitimate amount of at-bats, so they have all seen at least 50 at-bats, seven different guys are providing at least a 366 on base right now, and all but one of them, and Taylor Walls have four home runs, he has three. I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. What we're seeing and the Tampa Bay Rays are in the top five in terms of bullpen area as well. So if Yoni Torinos just sort of farts out here, you've got Jason Adam who's able to give you multiple innings. Colin Boucher has been solid in this bullpen. Pete Fairbanks has been just amazing, not giving up a single run all season long. So I do feel good about them. And for Lance Lynn, I think he's going to step it up a little bit more compared to his 7.52 ERA. But we saw the same darn thing from him last year. For a few months of the year, he was terrible, and then he picked it up when it was too little, too late. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last four starts and three plus walks in four out of his last five starts. Last year, he was really good with his command. I think that he's going to sharpen up there, and he is getting strikeouts. North of 10 punch outs per nine innings. I do think that the race, they're doing for a little bit of regression with regards to their lineup, and Yandy Diaz is dealing with a little bit of an injury as well, but I still take a look at the spot for the race. I think that it's a good one. I did set my total at an 8.6. Here at a 9, I'm taking a look at the under because I do think that the race cooled down a little bit with this hellacious start to the season, but I think that they get the job done against what has been a very sad White Sox team that I believe has now lost eight straight games. So taking a look at the race on the money line and the 9 under, 975-976 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds in the words of Bill Belichick. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they are going to be on the road to face off against the Oakland A's as one Hunter Green is going to be going for the Reds, and Kyle Mueller is going to be going for the Oakland A's. We were thinking Kyle Mueller was going to be going on Friday, so him getting pushed back to Saturday has led to this game being completely off the board, but I've got my numbers. I set the Cincinnati Reds as a minus-136 favorite, so I'm willing to lay up to a minus-135 and made my total 7.8, so 7.5 or less, looking at the over 8 or higher to the under. Now, the Oakland A's are actually the top over team in all baseball right now, but you're going to notice with the Oakland A's, they have got very dramatic home and road splits. As for the Oakland A's, when they have been on the road this far this season, they're bumping out a bunch of deep balls. They're hitting right around a 245 at home. They're hitting a 206 as a collective, entering into yesterday with nine home runs in their first 12 games. As you've got Brent Rooker along with Asus Aguiar and Shea Legolaris. When they're on the road, the three of them, they combine for a little bit over a home run per game. When they've been at home thus far this season, they're combining for about .25 home runs per game. They go up against a guy in Hunter Green that has been allowing a lot of her contact throughout his career, but he's been better on the road than he has been at home because his own ballpark in Great American Ballpark it is a incredibly hitter-friendly ballpark, which is why when he is on the road, his home runs per nine rate is right around 1.3 for his career. It's not bad. It's passable. Meanwhile, at home, it goes well north of a 1.5, and when he has been on the road throughout his career, he's been providing an ERA that offers right around a 4.15, which is a full half a point better than it is at home. So you like that about Hunter Green? Hunter Green, he has been a strikeout machine. Those have taken K-props with him have fared quite well as he's getting right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings. And it's going up against someone in Kyle Mueller that he has just been getting roughed up in general. He's only getting right around seven strikeouts per nine innings. 
He was in the minor league system of the Atlanta Braves last few seasons, and it clearly shows as his walks per nine rate throughout his MLB career. It is currently right around five, and he's backed up by the worst bullpen in the big leagues. They entered into Friday with an ERA that was hovering right around seven. I mean, it's just been so bad. You've got nobody that can really come out of this bullpen and give you some production. They do get Domingo Acevedo off the injured list, and Sammy Long picking him up. I think that'll help Sam Malzak Jackson. They had sub four ERAs last season. It's been a rough state of affairs for them, and you take a look at Cincinnati, and they've had a league average bullpen thus far this season. Alexis Diaz, Fernando Cruz, both of these guys, they had a sub-2 ERA last season. Derek Law has been able to pick it up. Lucas Sims is someone that I've always liked for the team. He's off the injured list. He has yet to give up a run, and for the Cincinnati Reds, not a bunch of mashers on this lineup as they did not return a single guy from a season ago that had north of 12 home runs, but you do have guys that are able to move the line as Jonathan India along TJ Fratell are both hitting above a 275. Tyler Seaver is sitting in that neighborhood about a 280. They're looking to be able to get a little bit more moving forward out of Henry Ramos. So he's back. You do have a bottom of the fold that involves guys like Jake Fraley, Will Myers, Jose Barrero. They're hitting at 235 or lower. They don't necessarily provide a lot of thump, but with the Oakland A's. Even though you do have someone like Brent Rooker who's sitting above a three-air, Asurio Ruiz is being moved the line as well. You do still have guys like Jace Peterson, Tony Kemp, Kevin Smith that are in a 215 or lower as well. Incredibly pitcher-friendly ballpark out there in Oakland. So, 7.5 or less looking at the over 8 or higher to the under. And with the Reds, one to lay up to a minus 135 with them. For the Ace, you need at least a plus 137 to dive in on them. 977-978 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies hit the road face-off against the Houston Astros. Christian Navier is going to be going for the Stroves. And Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is on the bump for Philadelphia. 7.5 is the total. Unders between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110 with Houston. It is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130 that you're laying with them. And between plus 110 and plus 115 is your number on the Philadelphia Phillies. And with the Phillies, I set them as an underdog of plus 162. I'm going to be willing to lay it with the Houston Astros. Zach Wheeler just has always gotten off to slow starts in his career. And he did it back to last year. He has been significantly worse on the road than he has been at home. By that, I mean north of two points worse on the road than he has been at home. At home, over the last few years, his ERA is hovering right around 2. On the road, it's right around 4. So, that is something that is not very encouraging going up against someone in Christian Javier, who's been rock solid this year. Strikeouts per 9 rate is down a little bit. It was north of 11 last year. He's right around 9 this season, but has been able to work on the walks. Last year, north of 3 walks per 9 innings, 6 walks in 28 innings thus far this season. He's given up a little bit of hard contact, but... When you go up against the Blue Jays and the Atlanta Braves in your last two starts, that's going to happen. And three runs of fear surrendered in four out of his five starts. That has been good. He's backed up by a bullpen that last year was number one in the big leagues in terms of ERA. They're back in the top eight thus far this season as you've got guys like Ryan Stanek, Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Seth Martinez that all had a sub-three ERA last season for the Philadelphia Phillies, currently a bottom-five team. Here's bullpen ERA. Now, they have a much better recently. Jose Alvarado looks like a bona fide closer, but they still employ Craig Kimbrell. He's looked a little bit better in recent weeks, but I don't expect that to last. Andrew Vasquez has actually been very good in this bullpen, along with Luis Ortiz, Gregory Soto, Jordan looked like the guy that we saw in Detroit, but the Phillies, the big thing for them is being able to get some power because they've been doing an amazing job of being able to move the line. Right now, you've got Nick Cassianos, Bryson Stott, Umando Sosa. 
even Christian Pache, not going to last, but these guys along with Brandon Marsh, all hitting at least a 300 for the team. Trey Turner, JT Riemito, they're hitting right around about a 272 to 80 along with Alec Bohm, but haven't been able to get a lot of power. Kyle Schwarber, he's one off for six home runs, and he's really the one guy in the lineup that's not really hitting for average, but need a little bit more power there. Meanwhile, for the Houston Astros, they've got Jeremy Pena starting to get online. He's back above a 240. It's his fifth home run of the season. Last night, you've got Jose Abreu, who has not hit a home run all season long. He's always been known for getting 100-plus RBI with the White Sox. He just looks completely cooked right now, but you do have Mauricio Dubon, Corey Jolks, hitting above a 3 after a slow start to the season. Alex Bregman is starting to pick it up, 355 on base. And then you do have Jordan Alvarez, who got a little bit of a breather yesterday. He, along with Kyle Tucker, have both been able to give you 5-6 to six home runs apiece. So I do think that Christian Javier should be able to go out there, lend a relatively solid start, and what I think is going to be a lower-scoring game. I did something I told us 7.8. I think we've went a little bit too low on this settle, especially with the Phillies' bullpen. So going to be taking a look at the over, even with Jose Altuve being hurt. I do think that they should be able to get to Zach Wheeler in this circumstance. And with the Astros, something more around a minus 160. So looking at the money line of Houston, and I'm going to be taking a look at this settle over, and we wrap things up with 979-980 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers play OCL Angels. Reed Demers is going to be going for the Angels, and Corbin Burns is on the bump for the Brewers. Brewers are in between minus 145 and minus 155. Favorites are in between plus 130 and plus 135, your number on the Angels. 88.5 is your total on the 8. Overs between minus 115 and minus 120. Unders between even a minus 105 on the 8.5. Unders between minus 115 and minus 125. Overs between minus 105 and plus 105. And with the Brewers, set them at minus 177 on the money line. If you're looking at that run line, finding it in most places at a plus 125. Circa currently has a plus 135. Count me in for that. I set mine at a plus 105 and for Reed Detmers he went down to the minor leagues last season and when he came back up his ERA was right around 3 from July on he gave up two home runs in his last 60 plus innings of the season and he's looked rock solid thus far this season a 4.15 ERA but he has given up two earned runs or fewer in three out of his four starts walks have not crept back up seven walks in 21 and two thirds innings his strikeout numbers still north of 10 per nine innings but I do think that Corbin Burns is going to be able to find it here as well he has now given up a combined four earned runs over the course of his last three starts looking much more sharp just five walks in those last three starts as well strikeout numbers are down He's only gotten 22 strikeouts in 27 and two-thirds innings. I think that he's going to be able to find that form once again. And the Brewers back him up with one of the best bullpens in the big leagues. Other than that eight spot that they gave up against the Boston Red Sox last Sunday. This team has been solid. They entered into the series fourth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA with a lot of nameless faceless guys doing a good job. Peter Cezalecki, along with Hobie Milner, Jake Cousins, Joel Payam. These have been guys that have been very good at being able to get the ball to Devin Williams. And for the LA Angels... You're not going to believe this, but they entered into Friday 8th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. If you watch the LA Angels, you know that they're probably not the 8th best bullpen in the big leagues, but the numbers in terms of ERA say that they're the 8th best team in terms of bullpen ERA. Chase Seth, not a guy that you really trust out there in the bullpen. Carlos Aceves has really been their best reliever thus far this season. He's got five saves thus far this year, sub-2 ERA. Matt Moore comes over from the Texas Rangers. He's been solid, but when you look at guys like Jose Cuiata, Andrew Wants, these are guys that you really don't have a lot of faith in. And for the LA Angels, it's been a topsy-turvy lineup. You've got Mike Trout, Shoei Otani, two of the baddest men on the face of planet Earth, but Taylor Ward has not been able to give you a whole lot of Sitting at 215, his power numbers are a little bit down this season. The former Milwaukee Brewer, Hunter Renfro, he hit for about a 250 with 25 home runs last season. He's got seven bombs. He's hitting north of a 270 thus far this season. Drew Rochelle is hitting a 300, but 
the entire catcher spot with having Logan Hoppy out of the fold has been rough. Zach Neto has been able to pick it up a little bit, but still have my question marks there. Anthony Rendon, he just has not been able to go yard in for the Milwaukee Brewers. It is a lineup that was very hot to begin the season. We're starting to see some regression, especially with Garrett Mitchell, their young center fielder on the injured list. You got Christian Yelich, who is right now providing a 230 batting average and not a lot of power complete waste of money, but you've got William Contreras sitting above a 300. Rowdy Tellez has been able to supply seven home runs. He's doing a solid job with a 330 on base. Been able to get some nice production out of Owen Miller as well as he's sitting north of a 275 for the team. Brian Anderson has been ripping the cover off the ball. He's been one of the hottest hitters in any ballpark in all the big leagues when he's been at home thus far this season, hitting about 275, five home runs as well. So I do think that the Brewers should be able to get to uh, Reed Detmers in this spot. And I do think that Corbin Burns looks like the Corbin Burns of old. I set my total at a 7.7. So here between eight and eight and a half, looking at the under and willing to take the Brewers on the run line. And that will wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at TuneIn underscore one Keep in mind, letters EM. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season on this podcast, which means I'll be coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.